Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high-tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Heart of Kill program. Let's get stuck straight into it. Okay, so motivation versus direction. Now, motivation is a topic that if you're listening to this will have 100% affected you, okay? And I speak to an enormous volume of people on a daily basis, both inside the Hard to Kill program and also uh, most worryingly inside Instagram DMs. And those are the people who are telling me that they're not feeling motivated. So what I actually wanna do today is explore, excavate and discuss the topic of motivation and uncover, well, is this a motivation problem or is it actually a directional issue? Okay, so we're gonna kind of look into what encapsulates motivation and how we can look to appeal to it and more often than not, how it's actually a direction and a purpose issue rather than a motivation issue. So, you know, if you're listening to this, you will very much resonate and identify with that sentiment of I've just not motivated, I just can't seem to find my motivation. And as a result, you then may well be self-deprecating, might be self-critical, calling yourself lazy and all of these other cascades of emotions. Now, I wanna nip this in the bud that motivation is not a thing. Now, I've heard this circulated and perpetuated, honestly, normally by coaches, but all that does is identify that they haven't really spent the time or done their due diligence on you know, how the science is set up with regards to motivation. I can assure you that motivation is a very, very real thing. It's simply a cascade of neurotransmitters that initiate a feeling and an emotion that drive us to want to complete something. Now, where they are accurate is that it is very, very short-lived. It is very energy expensive, it's quite tiring, and it should not be relied on as a long-term action plan, as a strategy. But to suggest for a moment that motivation doesn't exist is akin to saying that anger does not exist, okay? Anger is a very real thing, and it takes a certain amount of circumstance. It takes a, a, a sequence of events in order to initiate that emotion in the individual, and obviously that the way they're going to feel the anger um, is the emotion they're responding with in that moment. Now, motivation is exactly the same. So if we continue with that analogy of anger, Individuals who are interested in self-mastery, who have a degree of emotional sophistication and emotional intelligence, are going to be aware of the kind of external occurrences, you know, things, situations, scenarios, people, conversations, topics that would initiate and arouse those feelings of anger within them. And as a result, they will tend to kind of avoid frequenting any of those external occurrences that can initiate internal feelings of the emotion of anger. Also, on the flip side, if they want to go into a gym session, for an example, and they're going to look to set fucking deadlift PR, they might actually want to rely on that emotion of anger because of the way it impacts and affects the human body, puts us into, it, into a heightened state of readiness, and therefore we tend to uh, benefit from that when we're looking at physical output. But on a daily basis, anger is not really something that's conducive to being stress-free, fulfilled, and healthy. So we tend to avoid it as much as possible, and we understand the core components that are associated with anger. But then because we've been led to believe that motivation is not a real thing, and it shouldn't be relied upon, we don't tend to extend the same amount of inquisitiveness or curiosity about how we can harness motivation. Because the exact same is true with anger as it is motivation in that it is simply a set of prerequisites that need to happen that will create that cascade that then initiates the emotion and the feeling that we would associate with being motivated. Okay, the exact same is true. 
So what I want to do is I want to get stuck into that. I want to explore and expand upon that so that you can begin to understand motivation to, to a little extent, to a small extent. Because what we do inside the Hard to Kill program it is not just hope. We know and, and we frequently communicate that hope is not a fucking action plan. It is not a workable, reliable strategy. We need to understand the mechanisms at play in some degree of detail so that we may appeal to that and then we may rely upon it and we may action it and facilitate that when it's at our advantage to our disposal as opposed to just fucking hoping and waiting. That's like you know, not knowing the bus timetable and standing at the side of the road and just fucking hoping for the best. We want to be able to preemptively say and appeal to all the mechanisms at play so that it is on our side and we almost have an unfair advantage because we're able to appeal to it. So when we look at the topic of motivation, there is an enormous body of work. There's so many volumes of studies and research now that is available. But I don't want to go into the, the depths of just talking about you know, citing scientific journals and referencing. What I want to do is look at this from a coach's perspective because I'm not a sports scientist, I'm not a neuroscientist, I'm not a psychologist, but I am very good at getting the best from humans by knowing a little bit about each and every one of these individual fields. So I'm gonna draw on my experiences and my education as a coach as how we optimize humans and how we appeal to the topic and the emotion of motivation to get an individual to perform to the very best of their ability, even when perhaps they didn't feel like they were able to do so. So th there's many different kind of uh, prerequisites or potential things that feed into this concept of motivation. But there are two particularly that I'm going to touch on today that are kind of core prerequisite ingredients for the topic of motivation or for the emotion of motivation. So just like with anger, anger is largely person dependent. There are some things that make all of us angry, but what initiates anger in an individual is largely person dependent based on their interpretation of the situation, their current perspectives, but you know, most importantly, their values. Does it you know, kind of show disrespect to their values? Is it not in alignment with their values? That's a pretty quick way to get someone's back up. These are, these are two of the, the kind of prerequisite ingredients that are required for motivation more often than not to get a person inspired and feeling motivation, motivated. The first of those is going to be affiliation. So when we talk about affiliation, although we have obviously evolved enormously as a species and we're very sophisticated as a species, we are largely independent, but to the greatest sense, to the greatest degree, we still need affiliation and we still strive for that affiliation. Now, without going into depths of evolutionary biology and evolutionary psych psychology, if we look through the lens of evolution, we know that we need to fit in, we need to be accepted, we need to be affiliated, we need to be heard. And if we're not, then we very much struggle to actually feel motivated to, to move towards a certain task. So let's use like a very, very easy analogy of this. Let's pretend that you just had an enormous argument with your family and they'd ostracize you. Okay, would you feel particularly inspired or driven to take action to do things in their best interests? No, of course you would not because you're no longer affiliated, you're being ostracized. Again, if you were part of a sporting team, if you were part of a rugby club, all the boys had just called you every fucking name under the sun and you felt ostracized, you've been dropped from the team, would you feel particularly inspired or motivated to want to do the things that are congruent with getting back or uh, pleasing that, that team? Again, the chances are probably low. Would you be inspired to go into the gym and start smashing your strength and conditioning? And would you feel motivated to do all the things again associated with getting the validation of that team? The likelihood is very, very low. So in that instance, you know, that has not appealed to motivation. And what can be really helpful is, is if we often invert scenarios to say, okay, if you can't understand the application of it, invert it, and then you might be made aware of how it would impact you if there was an absence of it. So yeah, the first thing we need to look at when we're actually trying to motivate an individual is affiliation. So let's take the average gym goer. Although you 
might not actually be affiliated with anyone directly. Let's look at from a high contour position at the actions and, and your identity at this present moment and how that's actually maybe giving you a degree of affiliation. So if you're interested in going to the gym in being in better shape and looking a certain way and being stronger, I would hazard a guess with a high degree of certainty that your social media and your Instagram feed is filled with people, maybe coaches, maybe people who are doing impressive things that you're not able to do or aspire to do in the gym, big deadlifts, great bodybuilders, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that when you go to the gym, you have kind of rituals, you tend to wear a certain type of clothing, maybe a certain brand, you'll listen to a certain specific type of music, um, you will interact and integrate with people in a, in a set specific way, like according to your identity when you are there. So in the broadest sense, you are affiliated to that group of society, that subculture, that kind of clique of people who are all interested in the same thing, which is you know, training a certain way to look a certain way. That is your affiliation. That's what makes you feel motivated. You're looking for validation on social media with people who share the same values as you, people who would commend and celebrate you. And you know, you'll be synonymous with, or you'll have heard phrases like, you know, I just want to look like I lift. Don't you think that's really interesting? Why is it that's motivating to us? Again, because then we stand out to the gym goers, we're receiving affiliation, therefore our motivation goes up. So there's that. But the problem therein lies, the, the, the greatest majority of individuals I work with are not actually that concerned with looking like a gym queen. No disrespect to, to people who, who do train just for how they look. But yeah, a lot of guys that I work with, a lot of people who aspire to join the Hard Skill Program aren't primarily driven by being part of that culture. So as a result, the danger as to why their motivation drops is they don't actually feel affiliated because there's no group, there's no subculture, there's no, there's no family to which they're affiliated. So that's the first kind of nail in the coffin for their motivation is they don't feel like they belong. And this can lead to really kind of challenging, confusing emotions about identity. And these people will typically like go in ebbs and flows and try new things and attach their identity and sense of self-worth to that and be very intense with it so they might go from powerlifting then you know realize it's not actually for them on a deeper level despite having bought all of the fucking you know 300 quids worth of lifting belt and all the t-shirts and smelling salts and chalk you know all that sort of stuff they, they realize they're not actually uh, congruent with that so they'll pull out and then they might try jujitsu and then they might try crossfit or just looking for that aff affiliation which gives them a sense of motivation so when we look at affiliation as as a core ingredient that is why we are so community focused that is why we have the brotherhood because you are surrounded by like-minded red-blooded individuals irrespective of the actual outcome we all to the greatest extent communicate in the same way have the same interests, whether that being in the great outdoors being the greatest version of ourselves you know performing well at work and also being kind of a hybrid athlete who's capable of doing anything to a very high professional standard on any given day you know we all have so so many commonalities in, in our levels of drive and our levels of personality and that gives an individual affiliation they feel heard and when you feel heard you feel inspired to do better. So that's the first ingredient. So if you're currently feeling like you're not motivated, well ask yourself like, where am I getting my affiliation from? And if you're not, that's something that's going to need to be addressed. And the second predominant thing that feeds into motivation or, or lack thereof is actually pursuit. You need to be in the pursuit of something. There needs to be you know, a goal, there needs to be an outcome. And irrespective of whether that's an outcome-oriented goal or a process-oriented goal, you need to be moving in the direction of something. Because if there is no goal, then how the fuck do you score? You know, you'd just be running around absolutely hopelessly, absolutely aimlessly, and nothing tends to make sense. So again, if we were to install something that you can pursue, so let's call it a goal, for want of a better phrase, let's use the overarching term goal. If we're to install a goal, what that allows us to do is then identify discrepancy. 
Okay, the very first and most important element of goal setting is identifying the discrepancy. So where am I at right now and where do I actually aspire to be? From that, we can then assign a timeline. So what is the temporality of closing this discrepancy? Is this something I can do in a short term? Is this going to be an intermediate goal? Or is this going to be a long-term endeavor? So let's pretend, for example, you're currently just starting to train jiu-jitsu and you'll become a black belt. Right, that's going to be a very, very long-term goal for you, which is not anything to be discouraged by, because once we have that goal, we can now begin to reverse engineer from that, and we can start to assign the things that are important and are congruent with that. So often when we find when we find a high performers and, a, and ambitious people and high achievers, they can actually hold themselves back from setting goals because A, there is a fear of failure, and B, there is a fear of evaluation. And that tends to come from having a very critical inner narrative that makes it so hostile, they then even commit to making a goal in case they don't achieve it and then they beat themselves up for weeks and months but yeah in the first instance what we actually do is give them confidence to create a goal because we believe in their ability to actually achieve that given the right tools trainings accountability and resources so we've got to look at setting an actual goal and reverse engineering from that we can then start asking the question well is, what is the level of goal complexity so if you want to achieve your black belt on jiu-jitsu whilst that's very easy to say it's far from easy to do because it's a long term and obviously there are a hell of a lot of skills both athletic and actual skill oriented things that are going to extend our temporality so you know your guess is as good as mine as to how many hours it actually takes to get a black belt but you're talking probably hundreds of thousands of hours there are thereabouts you know to actually facilitate that and we've got to look at okay what are the prerequisite skills we need to have a level of motor skill we need to have a level of athleticism we need to obviously have a, a base of robustness so we can we, we can be training as frequently as possible now if it's a slightly more simple goal of or seemingly simple goal of okay i can currently deadlift 150 kilos and i'd like to be able to deadlift 200 kilos okay fantastic we have identified a goal and we can now identify that discrepancy we can now add a timeline and we can reverse engineer so we've got to look at having test blocks and then test retests. So we're always working towards something. We're always in the pursuit of that. Okay, and then we can start to break down, well, how, how simplistic is this goal? You know, because actually a deadlift, getting adding 50 kilos to a deadlift is not necessarily an easy task. We've got to look at current levels of skill and ability. So what's your level of technical proficiency? What is the weakest link in the chain? Is it postural? Is it actually raw strength? Is it a technical ability? Who do we need to consult with? What do we need to do to facilitate that, that progression? How frequently should we be retesting? Also consider what is the level of goal importance is this your be all and end all is this being done for competition therefore it's a high level of goal importance in which case we might end up assigning more time to it and you're going to feel more intrinsically motivated to pursue that or is it just a nice to achieve in which case you're probably not going to want to assign as much time and it, it has a lower degree of importance therefore you're not going to feel such such a bright heat of motivation to pursue that but in any case it's just important that we are actually in the pursuit of something. Now, this is why we coin the, coin the phrase and use the phrase, the relentless pursuit of excellence inside the hard to kill program. Because as you're maybe starting to understand now, if you have something you're in the pursuit of, but it is an outcome, what happens once you've actually achieved that? And again, we see this an extraordinary amount in DMs with people who are speaking to on social media is that they have achieved success in their past life. You know, they've done Ironmans, they've done arduous courses, they've, they've done incredible things in their professional sphere. And they were so driven in the pursuit of that, and now that's happened, now that box has been ticked, they've got no real reason, they've got no real purpose, they've got no pursuit. So now not only do they have nothing to pursue, they also have no one around them making them feel affiliated in the relentless pursuit of excellence. Whereas when you align yourself and when you kind of join that party of, right, I'm just gonna, I'm not, it's not about being the best, 
is about continually being better, you can then assign metrics and you can begin to understand and expand your psychology. And similar to the first episode of this podcast, I spoke about asking better questions. The exact same is true here. When you're in the relentless pursuit of excellence, you will constantly be asking questions of yourself and engineering questions like, how good can I really be at that? Like, how strong could I get this whilst only spending this amount of time per week doing it whilst also being great here? And every time, the, the beauty of the relentless pursuit of excellence is that every time you solve a puzzle, every time you answer a question, by default, you're going to initiate new questions, you're going to create new puzzles. But we're in an extraordinarily fortunate situation here where they are just puzzles. They're not really problems. Problems are, where am I gonna sleep tonight? Like, how am I gonna eat? How am I gonna pay my rent this month? Those are real problems. And again, you actually have pursuit there. So you're going to be very motivated to want to solve that because there's a high degree of goal importance. Whereas here, we're looking at puzzles, okay? We're looking at every time we solve one of these, we're extraordinarily fortunate that we're moving towards the greatest version of ourselves. And that, for me, is extraordinarily exciting and I get immense amounts of motivation and fulfillment from allowing and facilitating other people to do that by bringing together all of these spheres. So obviously we've touched on affiliation, we've touched on pursuit today and those are a couple of the things that we facilitate inside the Hard to Kill program. But what I want you to understand here is that motivation is a very real thing but it's not something that can be relied on out of a look. If you appeal to affiliation, if you appeal to the sense of pursuit, I can hands down guarantee you will act with a greater degree of urgency and of motivation. You simply have to just understand all the prerequisites to facilitate that. Now, it's not just going to be as simple as writing something down on pen and paper, but I do want to give you some practical takeaways so you can actually look to facilitate this. So first and foremost, I actually want you to sit down and ask yourself, like, what is important to me? What is it I would love to achieve? And if you're a high performer, if you're a high achiever, if you're ambitious people, I would understand there's going to be a degree of fear here. And you might think, oh, I don't even know. I, I, I guarantee that you do know, but that you have a fear of failure based on past experiences. You've been quite self-critical and you've been quite um, unkind to yourself. You haven't achieved something. So I want you to ask yourself well what would what would i want to achieve if i if i wasn't scared of failing if there wasn't going to be a beration if i wasn't going to self-flagellate for not achieving these things what would i love to achieve and if again you still can't come up with a goal here we'll ask what would I like to do less of? What would I like to see less of in my life? Because when you answer that question, you know, maybe it's stressing about something, maybe it's doing unproductive or unhealthy habit. If you want to do less of something, that can still be a process-oriented goal. Because then you ask the question, well, what is required? What do I need to start saying no to to facilitate that? And if I'm going to say no to something, that's given me the space to say yes to something else. So what is it I would like to say yes to in its space? So maybe it's I want to spend less time scrolling aimlessly on social media and I would like to start reading for 30 minutes every night instead. Brilliant, that's a fucking fantastic goal. Now let's assign a temporality. So I won't stop scrolling as much on social media, I'm gonna start reading instead. Well, it's really important you understand that the reason you're motivated to scroll on social media is because it's giving you affiliation and you're pursuing the dopamine hit of validation of seeing people who share the same values of potentially having a notification and all of those things are engineered to get your attention be very aware of that so if you're going to read in place don't pretend you're going to read like a brief history of time because that's very dry that's very heavy subject matter it's not going to inspire you you're not going to feel affiliated by doing that so it's imperative in the first instance that you pick a subject matter that you pick a book that you legitimately enjoy that appeals to you whether that's an autobiography whether that's a fiction book whatever it is it has to actually be appealing to you and then you have affiliation because you know it's someone who maybe shares your values or someone you would aspire to be like and then you have pursuit because you know after a couple of nights of doing that your sleep will be getting better so you've already received an ROI in doing that so first thing is yeah identify the actual goal 
of what it is you love to achieve. Then secondly, start asking yourself, well, how can I become affiliated with people who think like me, who want to be like me? Because as cliche as it sounds, literally your network is your net worth. And environment is fucking key. It is such a powerful facilitator in success. And we know, and there are multitudes of studies and research to show that if you're surrounded by people whose kind of baseline habits are your aspirational behaviors, you'll get dragged up to that level of the group. You know, if we're to use the analogy of a 100 meter sprint, if you always run a 100 meter sprint with people you know you're faster than, you will always win, but you'll never get faster. If you win, always run a 100 meter race with people who are, who are faster than you, you'll probably not win ever or for a very long time, but you will continuously get faster. The exact same is true with your environment. So I'm not going to be as immature as to say that, right, cast aside all of your friends who don't share the same beliefs of you, but do start looking, actively searching for people who think in the same way as you, who hold the same values and aspire to be the greatest version of themselves, because then it's going to pull you on, it's going to inspire you. And again, it's going to give you the motivation you're looking for. So that's the second thing. So first, what do I actually want to achieve? Second, how can I find affiliation? Third, like I want you to actually look at pursuing that. So the, the, the very simplistic element of goal setting is simply identify a discrepancy. And again, an area that I see people fall down here is they set unrealistic expectations that a it's going to be much quicker than they think it is or b it's going to be much easier than they think it is something we do again in the hard to kill program actually the first appointment that you have when you first join the program is we sit and we write this down with you in black and white and we have a framework and a template to go through where we're looking at okay now let's regulate expectations what's going to go wrong and when is it going to go wrong is it a belief system we're going to run into that wants to hold you back is it an identity issue is it a logistical issue no and how are we going to solve this and if we can't solve it what's going to be plan b so we can keep plan b as close to plan a as possible because you have to understand that no plan survives first contact with the enemy but often plan b is more simplistic and effective than plan a for that exact reason so do make sure that you've planned ahead so let's again use the analogy of um, i want to get my black belt right at some point over that, that 10 to 12 years you're probably going to get injured what do you do then are you going to throw your toys out of the pram are you going to sulk are you going to quit are you going to give up or are you going to be professional and proactive with hiring a physiotherapist um, doing some rehabilitation prehabilitation work getting back into your strength and conditioning fortifying and making that more robust and then following a return to train protocol if so fantastic it's the last we want to opt towards so make sure you actually have an understanding of who you could use for a physio make sure again you're affiliated with people who would connect you with those kinds of guys if it is the analogy of stopping using my phone at night so i can i can read instead okay fantastic what's going to go wrong well when you're tired and you're looking for a quick cheap dopamine hit you're probably going to be drawn towards using your phone so what do you do in that instance how can you how can you counteract that how can you fail proof that okay so how, then we'd look at habit formation habit creation so you know how can you stack the odds in your favor which is something that we call proactive laziness making sure that it's actually easier to do the right thing and you have to actively choose to sabotage yourself to do the wrong thing so that is very much the line and level of thinking that we're talking about here when we're discussing motivation versus direction so hopefully from listening to this today you can understand that it's very very rarely a motivation issue it is more often not an affiliation and a direction issue you have all the motivation that you need you have all of the drive that you need you have all of the determination that you need simply just need those couple of things and you'll want 100% achieve everything it is that you do you aspire to achieve and now in the interim period I want you to avoid that self-deprecation I want you to avoid that self-criticism of telling yourself that you're shit cunt that you're not good enough that you're lazy because that's only making you more reluctant to act and that's the fear of failure that I've discussed a couple of times today if you've taken value from this you know if, if you listen to this and like holy shit like th this has been extraordinary and I'm going to implement this that's fantastic that's exactly what I want you to achieve and I would love to hear your feedback 
off the back of this. Equally, I'm always open to, to critical feedback. And if you said, okay, that's that's not accurate, that's reductionist, then again, I would really, really value hearing that because it is my goal, is my ambition to make sure that as many people as is humanly possible are optimizing their lives and going on to achieve the things that they thought they never could by simply having someone connect the dots for them. So cheers for listening, guys. Thank <laughs> you.